I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! We all miss football, the sights, the sounds, even the smells. But a crucial part of loving football that much is also being intensely annoyed by it. From under-hit crosses to nine-man five-a-side games, it's time for a celebration of low-key irritation. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Joining me once again is Charlie Eccleshare. Hello. Hello, Adam. How are you doing? I'm all right. I was thinking last week when you were like, ah, oh, you'll be back. I- I'm becoming that sort of keen Sunday League fullback who is just sort of always around and available. First um, and, to answer very... the email on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just ve- very happy to be here. I'm glad you're here because first thing I want to ask you for, for this episode is irritation is a, is a healthy emotion, isn't it? I think I feel like it's one of the pillars of football fandom. It isn't all about glee and joy. It's about being annoyed, being paranoid, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it reflects how much we care, I think, as well, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we strive for this almost level of perfection in football. We really, really value it. So that the little things that impinge on that bother us probably a disproportionate amount hmm. and well familiarity breeds contempt they say but yet you're still here so uh we'll, we'll see how that carries on on the other hand we have a debutant sam lee our manchester city man and actual someone's father has joined yeah. us hello congratulations mate thanks very much thanks very much i remember you sent me that graham taylor video when i was having a real <laughs> wobble two days in and i and i thought that's this is so good because it's so on brand for you and it yeah. really hits home and on top of that it was really funny but since then fortunately i've i've stabilized somewhat oh yeah joining new right. dad twitter is it will add a whole new layer to your existence i can assure yeah, you yeah, um yeah, you've yeah. been knocking on the manager's door for a while now and you've finally got your chance how does it feel yeah, I feel like I've I've butted you up sufficiently to to get on, and I think I think this is a good one to make my debut on because I really try not to be annoyed by things because mm. inherently I am. So there's loads mm. of things we'll talk about that I'm sure I'm like, nah, that don't, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm not bothered about that. But yeah, some things slip through, and they really wind me up more than more than they should. Well, we're so definitely going to find something to wind you up with today. Uh, before we start, which I should say, you can enjoy The Athletic for free for 90 days. That's enough time to walk from Wembley Stadium all the way to the birthplace of Tofik Bakramov, the Russian linesman from the 1966 World Cup final, and back by going to <laughs> theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Now, let's begin. I, I'm going to start with one of my, well, smallest bugbears, I suppose, because it's all about the niche things. Um, throw-ins really trouble me, just generally. And this isn't a time-wasting thing, Charlie. It's it's when I see a, someone faffing over a throw-in and it, 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 it invokes the same rage inside of me as when someone doesn't answer their phone for ages on EastEnders. It's just that same get-on-with-it <laughs> instinct that, that really stirs me. Do, um, does, does that bother you at all, throw-ins? I mean, throw-ins... <laughs> There, there are issues. I have some big issues with throw-ins. That's that, not that so much. What really gets to me is when, when you play Sunday League football, you, you mm. basically can't take a short throw-in because you'll be penalised for a foul throw. It's basically like unless you hurl it down the line trying to just win another throw, it's not really allowed. And I just don't really see why there isn't more leniency on that. Like I, I, I mean, in, in Premier League football, you see foul throws all the time. And to me, that's mm. totally fine. Like it, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Just as long, it should just be a means to get the ball back on the pitch. And I did, especially at grassroots level, to get playing again, you know, with the ball at your feet. But the fact that you can't do that um, really, really irritates me. The constant alertness for a foul throw in Sunday League is is Oh my is God, really that strange. as well. It's I, like, I can't mine... wait to catch people out with it. Yeah, he literally was like, 
he just said, oh my God, stop saying that. Literally every foul, every throw, <laughs> foul throw ref, foul throw ref. And it, I was actually laughing as he said it. It was just like, it was so ridiculous. We've shared my, my first bugbear of today. How about yours? Maybe this is slightly meta, but I do think there's become a thing where people slightly affect irritations about things that I'm not convinced yes. actually bother them that much, but they've become very <laughs> yeah. fashionable. So things like not celebrating against former clubs, I don't know. And, you know, everyone gets annoyed by different things. I, I just kind of think, yeah, it's to whatever, kind of ignore it. It doesn't really uh, affect things that much. And because we all parrot things we, we hear, I think, mm. without really thinking. And this thing about like, oh, if Liverpool win the title all my mates who are Liverpool fans are going to make my life <laughs> hell. And and I just think, like, a lot of people... How bad could that who possibly I know be? This, yeah, and they've grown up in North London. They're my sort of age. I don't think they know that many Liverpool fans anyway. Those that they do know probably aren't that irritating. And it just, to me, seems like something we think we should say that, I, I don't know, the reality will be quite that bad. Okay, so this is important for this podcast because we're going to talk about lots of tiny, irritating things about football, but we should also draw the line between things that we have simply noticed happen a lot and things that actually annoy us. So we've set the benchmark <laughs> there a little bit. Um, Sam, let's bring you in now. Uh, what, I've got you down as um, your biggest bugbear is something that I think other people will, will be slightly irritated by. What is it? I was even irritated because I remember listening to one of your previous pods I think it must have been the sounds of football one. Yeah. And you were talking about the way in the crowd, you know, when there's when there's anything, you know, if it's a, sh- a shot that's gone over or whatever, mm-hmm. or someone's failed a, a back heel. I think it's really peaked now because if the shot hit the, hits the side netting, it used to be where you'd get some people celebrating. But now it's like people don't even celebrate because they know it's hit the side netting. But the away fans will still go, because it's just like so drilled into the football hmm. fan psyche so that you need to do that. An unprovoked way doesn't, yeah, it, but, that does not belong, does it? No. Um, but you, you don't. They just, they just do it for everything now. It's just in every single game. Any kind of opportunity to do it. The fans, they're all over it. And that's what annoyed me, actually, when I was listening to your one, because you guys were you guys were loving it. You were like, oh, yeah, I love it when fans do that. I was like, no, it's horrible. They, they do, people do it too much. And also, it's on fine. the throw-in thing, I don't mind when people are time-wasting. If people are trying to shuffle up the touchline and a ref keeps sending them back and they do it again, I don't mind that. But if they're genuinely trying to throw it to somebody and they can't find anyone, that really annoys me. That's when I'm like, get on with it. Like, even, I don't know what, like, this is me being unreasonable because I don't yeah. know what I expect them to do. Just like chuck it to the opposition, I suppose. <laughs> but just just get on with it, mate. Like, these four seconds are taking forever here. We've got, we got a game on here. Okay, so we've established that you don't like fans having fun. And, no, and you're pro, not at all. And you're pro. It's not fun though, is it? It's just fun. that kind of, it's just when it was all mm. properly spilled over into Neil territory. It's yeah, not, it's no longer fun. They've stolen it. I want to begin with aesthetic irritations. Things that just make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up in the entirely the wrong way when you're just watching football. And, you know, we've watched football for years so that there are bound to be these little tiny things that crop up week by week um, that that really get our backs up. First of all, inverted fullbacks. Now, I, 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 I'm assured this is, a, this is a deliberate tactical ploy that some teams have, and that's fine. But when it's kind of done not necessarily out of necessity, it's just, just to f- fill a gap. And just the, the mere sight of a... You know, relatively speaking, limited footballer playing on his wrong side. I, it just, it's just incredibly unsatisfying to watch, Charlie. It, just watching a person struggle against the, the actual fibre of their beings on the wrong side of the pitch. I know what you mean. I mean, like the Ashley Young, uh, he played at left wing back, didn't he, for England at the World Cup? And, and it did just feel slightly strange. I know that was a wing back rather than a full back. Do, do you get, I mean, do you get left footers playing at right back? I'm trying to think of that. It seems that incredibly rare. Quite extreme. I, I can't think of an example, but it's just when when you see a fullback receive a ball, you generally want to see them bombing into into the periphery of the pitch, like really exploiting that space. Yeah, it should be natural, shouldn't it? We we all know what a fullback does: it's get forward, get the ball in the box. Yeah, don't think about it. It does feel it does feel very Sunday League having a right footer at left back because you don't have enough left footers in your squad, and the only left footers you do have are wingers or strikers because they can properly hit a ball and inverted wingers are fine because we all we we're all kind of conditioned to that now we're going to see them cut in and have a shot so it looks it looks like it has a genuinely spectacular purpose but watching a fullback sort of creep back in and sort of sheepishly 
offer a five-yard pass to the midfielder just so he can get rid of the ball. It, it, the whole thing just strikes me as incredibly distressing, frankly. Here's another niche one for you. Screamers that go in at the near post. I just, I, I can't get on board with them. I, I simply, I will never hail a goal that's shot from distance <laughs> but goes in at the near post. It's just incredibly unsatisfying to watch. This is a word I'm going to use quite a lot today. Is that because you think it's inherently a goalkeeping error or...? No, I just I just think just the pure aesthetics of a really good long range goal. You, you, when you see a shot go from distance, you either want it to go in off the bar, maybe straight down the middle, because that's always fun to watch, or you want it to go in the opposite top corner, because that 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 it's very expansive. It's really nice to watch when it goes into the when it goes into the near post as they shoot. I, there's just something very incomplete about that. And, yeah, I, th- uh, I think as well, it's, it's kind of like gripe. a real technicality of the meaning of a screamer, isn't it? Because yes. I I did an article last week about Sergio Aguero scoring a lot of goals at the near post. Yeah, this is what that's, I was hoping. But for. that's but that's like I would say they're a good that's a good finish. You wouldn't say it's a screamer. You'd say it's a good finish. And it's either if someone's scoring a, a good goal at the near post, say it goes in the top corner, but at the near post, it's either a good finish or a miss hit, probably. Well, the interesting about about Aguero and the article you wrote is there's there's, there's a very obvious function to him to do that. It's he's shooting there because it, it, there's a there's less time for the goalkeeper to react. Um, it, it, essentially, it's closer to it's closer to him, so it's, the whole thing makes way more sense. But inherently, when a striker's through on goal, the textbook thing that you would you would expect is is a lovely crisp finish into the bottom, you know, opposite corner, just because it's just so satisfying to watch. Do you think so it's a distance just, thing as well? Because it's like yeah. that's like the shortest route to goal. But a screamer, mm. when it's on, is it's when it's unfolding in slow motion in front of you, they go in from say they're on the left side of the penalty area, yeah, and it goes all the way soon. across. Goal. I suppose the obvious example is that. Do you remember the Harry Kane one against Arsenal a few years ago when he was right down by the corner flag and mm-hmm. he curled it right the way across? That's that's a screamer because you've got yeah, time it's glorious. to... glorious. It just unfolds in front of you. And even like Gareth Bale's overhead kick, that was kind of near post. But that's like, mm. wow, that's this is an incredible moment. Whereas as soon as they hit it, it's in at the near post and it's almost like we don't get our money's worth out of it. Maybe it's that. Yeah, uh, here's a listener contribution. Um, Sam says, not you, Sam, different Sam. Uh, lunchtime kickoffs where the bright sun creates a shadow on the pitch that even modern TV cameras still simply can't cope with. I I, I completely understand this. Uh, lunchtime kickoffs, I, I'm tempted to boycott them for the rest of my life, even in these lean times. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, uh, huge shadows on a football pitch just ruin the spectacle for me. And uh, I, I feel like the nadir of this, of this scenario um, is Nigel Winterburn. No, no, yeah, Nigel Winterburn scoring for Arsenal at, Stanford Bridge, mm. when when I think Chelsea were rebuilding their stadium, so the sun sort of poured in through the side, and it was a it was a I think it, I think it was a midday kickoff, and the shadows were just absurdly long because it was kind of winter time, and the whole thing just looks awful. And I, I'm just I just I'm just a huge I, I'm a huge campaigner against shadows on football pitches. Please, someone help me. <laughs> There's also the the thorny issue of bad camera angles. I know that excises people quite a lot um the old white hart lane sometimes it was it was quite and the new odd. white hart lane wasn't it yeah and there was a thing with liverpool as well wasn't there when they changed stands yes. i remember these all being big talking points too high well i feel like camera angles have been standardized now i feel like they're all kind of sort of uefa dictated angles of angles of vision but i feel like i i liked the old white hart lane camera angle but the really high up kind of looking down gives you the whole view of the whole pitch. Games just look better when you can see the whole pitch, in my opinion. Whereas opposed but I think to for say, European the old Highbury camera angle looked terrible. You just couldn't appreciate the game. But I think with White Hart Lane for European games, they did. it often felt like they did have a different camera and it was right low down. Yeah, um, again, I think that's a UEFA thing. They sort of dictate yeah, that you, you can't have this, this expansive, lovely camera angle that people really enjoy. We're going to do it our way. What is more annoying, an under-hit cross, Charlie, or an over-hit cross? I feel like they're annoying in different ways. Yeah, but this is again though. Like, I do think near post corners is one of those that you know that that gets people's gets people very irritated. Yeah. And I, and I did did actually speak to a goalkeeper earlier this season to get a sense of you know why that why a lot of free kick, uh, corners are taken to the near post and there is a logic behind it and that is where almost all corner goals are scored. So that made me. Uh, a bit more sympathetic towards near post crosses and why <laughs> you know what why play, what players are doing because with most of these things you know when you're like Christian Eriksen he can't beat the first man it's like well yeah, he, yeah. he probably can beat the first man when you're that good there probably is a reason for it I'm totally at peace with corners that don't beat the first man and and it does feel like um, uh, very much a year dare 
thing to be moaning about because they're, they're obviously aiming for some incredible precision when it comes to um, near post corners and, and they're not just floating it in blindly. Um, but I just, I, I just feel like an underhit cross in open play is fundamentally more annoying than overhit cross just because it's just like, just like is the incompletion of it. Whereas an overhit cross is that it sails out. At least it's quite nice to look at. It does at uh, least have that. This Sam, is my this is my impatience. Here. No, no, this is my impatience shining through again because an underhit cross it's annoying. Obviously, especially especially if you're trying to like slide somebody in. You know, the, the striker's running towards the the penalty spot and he doesn't get there. Mm. It's annoying, but mm. the game goes on. And this is my impatience here because the overhit cross that is the signal. You're doing one of two things, then you're either grabbing your phone and going on Twitter, or you're having a drink with your pint, because <laughs> you know right. that because you, you know the ball's just going to bounce out of play. The fullback's mm. going to trot over. He might even not have anybody to, to throw it to. So you, you've probably got about 10, 15 seconds of dead game time there. Yeah, that annoys me. The overhead cross annoys me because it's just it's just like oh, that's a break in the play. I'd much rather an under hit so they can carry on. Maybe a counter attack, something like that. Just fair enough. Keep the game and going. You, uh, you got to throw in the ironic way of the opposition fans as well, which presumably gets yes, to go even absolutely. more. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. When players just decide to shoot from 25 yards, especially sort of unlikely goal scorers, I'm talking about sort of defensive midfielders like John Obi Mikel or something like that. When they when they sort of run out of ideas and shoot from long range, when when clearly nobody is urging them to do so, uh, I, th- that's real foot through the TV stuff for me, especially <laughs> when it's my own team. I think that really does kind of destroy my enjoyment of football it's like, what are you, when you when those moments when you're saying what are you doing why why are you not making better decisions you're a professional uh that i think that's when it when it really gets to my core yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I, again it's, it's it's the kind of wasted time thing as well and also just a waste of possession isn't it especially like i watch city a lot and like <laughs> america laporte is amazing but he has so many shots from outside the box and none of them have ever been close to the goal <laughs> and it's I'm like well, sure. city, city value the ball more than anyone so how are you still getting away with this I was going to say, there's one thing that me and me and Guardiola must have in common. It must be the irritation from of Imeric Laporte shooting from 25 yards <laughs> when, whenever he wants to. Um, but there's the thing this, as well, Adam, isn't there? Of yeah. like, because often you say I'm prompted, but often there are players who fans really get behind, you know, in telling <laughs> them to shoot. And and I liked, uh, I think it was um, James McNicholas did a piece earlier on in the season, sort of debunking. I don't even know if it is a myth. I don't think, know if anyone really believes it, but about Xhaka's yeah. kind of long range shooting. Like, does anyone shooting. want Xhaka to shoot anyway? Yeah, I don't, but you do still hear, you know, kind of cries for shoot. And I liked uh, that piece just saying why, uh, you know, trying to explain to fans with XG and that sort of thing, why this is such a bad idea. But these days it's so hard to pick apart the genuine urging to shoot from the ironic urging to shoot. Mm. Uh, this is where there's this postmodern stage that football's football. got into where we just we just don't know how to, how seriously to take anyone at any stage. Um, a real microcosm of, of the dilemma of following football in the 21st century, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, this one I feel like unifies most football fans um, because you can just sense the physical irritation of it, which is defenders shepherding the ball out of play almost to the point where it's basically out of the... Uh, it basically becomes illegal. What annoys me more about this is uh, often you hear this being cited as a player using all their experience. And, and that expression generally I find quite irritating because it's so meaningless. And something like shepherding the ball out, I don't think that requires that much experience. No, and, and I, I remember to be actually... a unit, that's it. Yeah, I, I think once it was... Again, this right. I think it was Jordan I, then about 2014, would have been really young at that time. And, and, and the commentator almost went to say instinctively, used all his... Ex- and then realised, like, oh, wait, he's like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is just a quite basic thing to do. We should, we, should, we should be fair here, Sam, because as irritating as it probably is to watch happen to your own team, it's probably incredibly satisfying both to perform yourself and also to witness your own team doing it, right? Yeah, I think so. And especially, it's one of those, you know, when when the goalkeeper catches a high ball and then go, goes down for no reason and just like lands oh, on relief, it to waste a, to waste a few seconds obviously the opposition hates it um and obviously this has become such a thing that when Kyle Walker sorry to use a city example again but when Kyle Walker right. went in goal against Atalanta he made that really routine <laughs> save towards the end and then he was like oh yeah I can do that and he just chucked himself on the ground and like lay on it for a bit I know that's annoying but obviously when it's your team and you're hanging on for those seconds it's great and I suppose that's the other thing about the shepherding out yeah nine times out of ten it goes the defender's way but if they get it wrong it's amazing because normally the striker just flicks it back onto the pitch and they're in. You know, they can either pull it back or they've got a shot at the keeper. And it's it's like it's almost like those nine times out of ten, you just put up with it. But the one I'm time... I'm thinking of it's really, Thierry Henry and Danny Mills. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which I feel like is the is the ultimate example of failed shepherding. And a similar kind of context, when the ball's in the corner, and I, I feel like this might be 
the peak of football irritation for me. This might be the thing that really makes me genuinely consider turning the game off and never watching football ever again in my entire life, which is when stupid wingers give away easy fouls in the corner by just sort of giving the referee kind of yeah. no choices that as the fullback sort of tumbles yeah. over. You can deliberate. see it happening in slow motion. Oh like, my don't, yeah. do it, don't do it. Oh. Don't, don't foul, don't foul, don't foul, don't foul him. He's fouling. Yeah, uh, completely. Um, it's, it's, it's overwhelmed me so much that when I play Sunday League now and I, and I see one of my wingers in the corner with, with the fullback, it, all I can think about is just don't foul him. In fact, don't go anywhere near him because there is nothing you can achieve. There's nothing you can achieve at, at that stage. In, in fact, you might, as well let, you might as well stand away from him and let him turn around and clear it hurriedly because when fullbacks turn around in desperation and clear the ball up the pitch, it always goes to your team. It always does. From elite <laughs> level all the way down to grassroots, hurried clearances from your own corner flag always go to the other team. Um, it's one of the secrets of football and I'm happy to air it publicly now. Just one of those moments where you just think, professional footballers, what are you doing? You, uh, and, and why isn't this picked up in video analysis? Why aren't video analysts saying, don't do that? You know, in an era, an era of marginal gains and tiny advantages, don't let the fullback let himself be fouled in the corner when you've got the ball in a very dangerous area. Maybe it's refreshing that even in the age of so much data analytics and everything, still <laughs> the urge to just shove someone over overrides all that. <laughs> yeah, perhaps we are underestimating just how satisfying it is to foul someone because you, you very, you, it's very rare to get booked for that kind of foul because it's, it's quite innocuous. That it's, it's one of those short, sharp whistle kind of fouls where everyone just gets on with it afterwards, maybe after a little bit of a groan, but you're never going to get booked for basically no, shoving someone. No, it's enough of a punishment because it's... You, you're so frustrated yeah. that you've given away that free kick. I realise that time-wasting is is a, is a general irritation amongst football fans. And we're not going to get into things like time-wasting and diving and VAR because they're obvious irritations. We're talking about niche things that really cut people to their core without really, really understanding why. Uh, here's an example. First-half thrashings that become second-half non-events. So I'm thinking 4-0 or 5-0 at half-time. And I, once you've been watching football for a reasonable amount of time, Sam, you you begin to realise that that second half is going to have one goal maximum. Yeah, but I think the eternal optimism of football fans, you always think, oh, well, usually there's only one goal in the second half, but hopefully <laughs> this is the one they go for 10, but it never happens. I mean, I guess, I guess Charlie, there's a reasonable explanation for this. I mean, we talked about petering out last week at length, mm. actually, at delightful length, we talked <laughs> about petering out. And I, I guess there's a reasonable explanation for this sort of thing. If you're winning handsomely and, you, and you're a professional elite level footballer, you're going to want to conserve energy. But from a fan's perspective, from a neutral's perspective, keep going. Absolutely <laughs> hammer them. Score um, more yeah. goals. And I'm always curious with this is if there was like a real incentive, like if, the city players were told if you if you hit double figures you get I don't know what it is. I wonder how many of these four or five nils would would turn into ten nils. Like if because it feels like it is just a question of desire. I I probably need to do some research into this, but I feel like there is a disproportionate number of nine nils compared to ten nils. I mean, the, numerically there is almost no difference. There's, we're talking about a ten percent difference of, of thrashingness here, and there's just not enough tens. Where are the tens gone? It feels like is this a sporting pride thing? Is it a mercy thing? I just Sam, you presu- City beat Burton 10 Burton didn't they? 9-0, no, but they, were, was really nine- going, they oh my were really going for the 10. They were going for the 10, but yeah. they couldn't quite get it for whatever reason, I don't know. But that I was going to say, to be fair, they do go. A Guardiola like, it gets asked afterwards because the, the, <laughs> the fickle thing is we want this to happen, but then yes. if they do if they do get close, you've got people going, oh, I didn't really show respect for them, you know, or, or you know, they, they could have just eased off a bit. No, we don't want them to ease off. And they ask Guardiola, could you not have eased off? He's like, the best way to show respect to the opposition is to keep playing as if, yeah, <laughs> if you need completely. to crush them into the ground. I was hoping Claudio Bravo was up for the corner in the last minute. It's like, come on, treat this <laughs> like it's a nil-nil. The fans really, really wanted it. The fans really, yeah, really wanted yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely right. Partly because Nigel Clough was there and City fans are great at having these grudges. Now, I'm not a City fan, but I have to probably a couple of times a month have to ask a couple of mates to go, why'd you hate him? And it's invariably because they played for City in the 90s, but were crap. And Nigel Clough <laughs> was the Burton manager. And I was like, why'd you hate him? And he was like, he, he played for us and he was crap. Similar sort of wasting time situations. Um, substitutes who leave the field really slowly. Now, this seems like an obvious irritation because, you know, they're, they're, they're wasting time and usually for the cause of the team who are winning and your team are losing. And that's all very logical. But it's the spectacle of a slow-moving substitute that I really kind of enjoy in spite of all the irritation. I like yeah, when a referee yeah, yeah. gives them a little gentle shove off the pitch. And that, and that, in, I like that it when they go and to... shake the ref's hand. That's the highest. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. But uh, the, the, 
when a referee has told them to hurry up, the extent to which they hurry up is is when they break into that really slow jog that I can only compare to the slow jog you do when you're trying to cross a road but show the driver of a car that you are actually putting some effort in to go quite quickly for their benefit. <laughs> I'm um, sorry to do we this all have too, an image Peter, in our Peter head. Peter Kane beat you to that joke by about 15 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the, it's the Peter K dad run. Oh, is it really? Every, yeah, everybody knows. What, in well, my defence, I would anyway. never have watched that. So uh, whilst whilst accepting that my level of humour there is bad. Oh, yeah, you'd have been watching Own Goals and Gaffs while the rest of us were watching Peter Kay live at Blackpool Tower. Yeah, I want to play some record that I did not deliberately steal that from Peter Kay. No, of course not. Um, I'd never um, suggest such a thing either. <laughs> uh, this, is why, this is why you've never been on my podcast and why you're never, ever <laughs> coming never on, again. on again. Yeah. Other things, people whinging about football not being invented in 1992. I'm a real defender of, of things being measured from 1992 onwards for all sorts of reasons. First of all, the back pass rule came in, so football was fundamentally changed overnight. The Premier League was invented. That is that is a good bookend to an era. The Champions League was brought in in 1992. It feels like 1992 is a perfectly acceptable um, starting point to, to start measuring things. And it's not that you're ignoring football ever happened before then. It's just, it's just a very good yardstick to use. To me, modern football in its most modern context began in 1992 it's absolutely fine to say that there could even be another cut off obviously it makes sense with the premier league and the champions league and the back pass rule mm. it feels like somewhere around the early 2000s you could probably do it again because that mm. feel it feels like football became a bit more advanced then but um yeah the whole thing about this is you know on those the match of the day podcast that they're doing now with gary lineker ian wright yeah. and alan shearer it feels weird because it's like lineker played a different sport just because he was like a few <laughs> mm. a few years earlier than these guys he's like he's not on any of these lists and people never really talk about what he did but just because mm. of this kind of arbitrary cutoff point but it is arbitrary but at the same time it makes sense it's like having the post-war era you've got to differentiate somehow and yeah football was very different from then on so it's absolutely fair enough Exactly. It's not arbitrary, is it, Charlie? I mean, if we talk, take, for example, Premier League records, you talk about Premier League goal scoring records. Um, the Premier League is literally a new competition that was invented. It's, it, it wasn't just the, it wasn't just a rebranding of the top division. It was literally a new thing that was brought in and everything was shoved downwards. It's it, it seems perfectly acceptable to, for, um, for, to focus on Premier League records. This isn't this isn't anything to do with Sky. It's nothing to do with the brand. It's nothing to do with that. It's just simply a meaningful thing about a football competition isn't it yeah i mean i would put this in that kind of affected world weariness of <laughs> you know feeling like you should be annoyed by not celebrating in front of his old team like ridiculous you know that kind yeah. of and mm. yeah i i i don't know maybe it's hard for me to empathize because it just doesn't really bother me in the slightest but I, yeah i feel like it's often a little bit again something we feel we should be uh annoyed by um or feel strongly about. We're going to talk about disciplinary issues here. Um, someone rightly pointed out that dubious corner decisions are very often swiftly and conveniently followed by a free kick for the defending team for an almost imperceptible foul as the ball comes in. Does that annoy you, Sam? I feel like I've, I feel like this is one of those sort of shortcuts that referees do that kind to kind of smooth over something they think they might have done wrong, and it feels like it's quite acceptable for them to do it. Yeah, I mean, even if it does kind of mess with the game and instinctively you think well that's a decision you know you've made you've got to live with it yeah. like on a human level they know yes. if somebody scores yes. from that corner they're going to get a world of shit yeah so i think i'd probably do the same thing as well like football sorry referees probably need all the help they can get in in avoiding criticism so if it comes to giving an innocuous free kick to save their own skin i probably can't hold that against them to be honest but it is annoying. Charlie, this kind of taps into the ref the eternal refereeing dilemma between common sense refereeing and being consistent. Sometimes referees just give decisions which, despite being probably slightly logically incorrect, you just probably think, yeah, fair enough. That's all right. Let's just keep things stable. Yeah, I agree. I, I just want to say as well, like the, one of my favourite of these uh, was a game, Sunday League game I was playing in of a ref making... This is like the most inexplicable decision I've ever seen. And, and I think this would have been the time to reverse it. But we, the second half had just started and we played the ball back. And guy from our team just gets absolutely clattered. And the ref blows for a foul, but blows the other way. And we're like, what are you... You know, normally you can kind of understand, you know, when there's like a bit of like argy-bargy, it might go the wrong way, but it's still sort of vaguely feasible. Anyway, he calls out, he calls over our player, our captain. He's like, player, come here, to sort of explain what he's done. He goes, player, I'm going to level with you. I forgot that we switch halves at halftime and I put it the wrong way. 
And I was like, uh, okay. He's like, but now I've done that, I cannot go back on that decision. What? It's just like, oh my god, I'll be I I mean, it. you've just pointed the wrong way. But he was like, but it's I, fine I, that I he can't. explained it. Yeah, he's really of course he can change his mind. Of course he can change it's his that, mind. It's like, though. it's like you've literally, you, you just, you've pointed the wrong way. That's fine. No one's gonna like now. This like, uh it, it was, it was insane. See, I'm quite calm about this entire scenario because I, I really like it when referees explain decisions at length. And I, I mean that both at grassroots level because, you know, everyone likes to get on secretly at grassroots level. When everyone's being nice, it's actually quite a nice feeling. And then at Premier League level, when you see on TV, when a referee's actually really explaining it to an irate player and you can see his irateness sort of decreasing as the logic yeah. sinks in and he yeah, just goes, oh, totally. Yeah, fair enough. I really like that. I, I, it makes me feel better inside. Completely, completely. Mm. And I've had that with the rest before of like, so, some of them you can't say anything and they will just get aggressed to you. And sometimes yeah. you can say to them like, you, you've, you know, you've given a free kick, we would have actually rather the advantage. And I had a ref once be like, thanks a lot for letting me know, that's really useful. And I was like, this is <laughs> lovely. I, I wish, why can't we all do it? It was like one of those rainbows moments where you're just like, oh, this is, this is really great. On the flip side, you get, you get those kind of stonewalling referees who simply will not be spoken to. And, and it, it, leads, it leads me to that kind of really unsatisfying spectacle. Again, you'll see, you'll see this on a sort of Premier League game where a referee is kind of, uh, sorry, a player shouting at a referee saying, hey, hey, ref, ref. And you can, see, you can see the referee just by the player's eyes is clearly running away and they're still trying to, trying to shout to them. And, he, and he's still ignoring them. And, and I, just, I can just sense the frustration of, of, of being ignored like that on a football pitch. It must be really, really really annoying um but yeah it's just one of those moments where i really sympathize with a footballer's frustration listener jack fallon writes in he says has anyone else brought up fourth officials putting their hand across the midriff of an oncoming sub to stop them coming onto the pitch until the other player comes off that must be quite annoying because you're you're pumped to come on and you've just got this semi kind of firm back of the hand across your stomach saying you're not coming on yet mate. i reckon that sensation must be one of the most it? irritating sensations yeah because they've probably done a little joke with you first like saying oh not in the first team yet then not, not starting yet <laughs> or something like that or just joke about some injury you've had and then then they are with their little hand across your stomach it just must be the most annoying sensation a footballer could ever feel yeah, and also they're not even the ref. So like you will know that ref from other games, but it's like this isn't even your show today. Get off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would go as far as I'd rather be spat in the face. I'd rather, <laughs> rather someone spat in my face than, than put their arm across my stomach to, to stop me coming on as a sub in a Premier League game. Celebrity mm. fourth officials. That can be yeah. kind of the next Disgusting. level. Football on TV. Bugbears about football on TV. Um, this is the biggest one for me. Is Again, this is, this is really only really only applies when I'm watching my own team in that state of constant paranoia. Um, TV replays and close-ups that take too long as the match goes on in the background. So you can hear the crowd starting to react to something and the producer, whoever they are, are sort of focusing on something else like a like a former manager in the crowd. And you can hear something going on and they just won't show it to you. And, and it makes me, I, I don't know, it makes me want to ring up Sky and physically get them to change the, the shot in that space. That's three seconds. Anyone else irritated by that? Yeah, Sam? you've articulated that perfectly. I really, Thank I've you. got a mate as well who hates it even more than I do as well. He's like, and I know if we're watching a game together, I know he will be absolutely livid about it. And he'll say I something, can't. I'll just look, and then he'll say it. I want a Sky or a BT producer to come on and explain themselves. What are you doing? We just consistency. This is probably one of those elements where it's like, it's actually really difficult to produce the game and we take for granted how well they do it. So there's one time when it overlaps, it's probably like, we really hold it against them. But to be fair, they probably make that mistake one time in 100 or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it sticks in my mind. But yeah, at the back of my mind, uh, despite being hugely annoyed by this, I'm probably thinking, hey, they're pros. And not only are they pros, they probably know what's happening on the pitch and they're thinking, no, it's all right. I don't need to show them yet. So I kind of make peace with it sort of then. Mm. Yeah, but we want to know. We need to know. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm using my brother's Sky Go subscription. I want to get value out of this, please. Similarly, when co commentators are really stubborn despite a replay completely contradicting whatever call they made on the first viewing. In my head, I've got Stephen Manaman's voice. This, to me, is the evolution of how a co-commentator kind of responds to these situations. So we're talking about like a penalty decision, something like that, and it's not given. And so someone like Manaman will, will instantly go, no, 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 nothing there, nothing there. And then on the replay, they'll show that there probably was a little bit of contact, but maybe not enough to warrant a penalty in, in, a, in the common sense sphere but probably enough to make the player go down and then, and then see, they have to sort of slightly change their opinion goes well a bit, bit, bit of concept yeah well, fair enough that's yeah that's not enough it's not yeah enough, that rings a bell is it? Yeah, and i just i just i just really nice <laughs> to see them their opinion just sort of sliding down the wall of certainty 
because also it's completely fair enough that you know you see something from a different angle then you have a different yeah. view of it i think that's totally fair there's this yeah, thing you're not as well look stupid it's new exactly, information yeah there's this thing as well that i think i've said uh, on this podcast before of 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 former players talking about football as if it hasn't changed since they were playing. So there'll be <laughs> yeah. fouls that just are clearly fouls. I'll be like, nah, there's, there's nothing there. And it's like, yeah. yeah, in 95, that wouldn't have been a foul. But <laughs> clearly that is a foul nowadays. And it's mm. and it just, it, it's really, I think it's unfair on the refs because it, it kind of spreads misinformation. Completely agree. Uh, Sam, I'm going to put to you a, a secret plague in football broadcasting. Uh, this comes from producer AD, in fact. Uh, he says, I hate it when commentators say he could have had a hat-trick today after a player misses three chances. No, if he scores the first chance, the other two chances don't exist. Yeah, he's absolutely right. But I, I feel like he is absolutely right, but it, it is still something I would say. And it feels like some something I would That's probably fine. put in writing as well. It, maybe it's become that that kind of drilled Just into wisdom. us. That it's like, yeah, okay. Like, that's fine. But yeah, he's absolutely right. That that wouldn't be the case at all. And actually, there are probably days when that annoys me more than others. Mm. One day I might write it myself. Another day I might go, no, that's, <laughs> that's patently not true. I'm going to look out for it of football in, your, fans, hey? in your next article. Maybe it should be interesting. Um, I guess as well, because there aren't that many players who are so clinical that they take three out of three chances anyway. You know, even mm. the best chances miss, uh, the best strikers probably miss like one out of three, one out of four. So it, yeah. it's asking a lot of someone. And a yeah, similar thing that annoys that same mate I was talking about is... <laughs> we should get him on. Yeah, we should have, yeah. Um, I don't think he's doing <laughs> yeah. much in a minute. Love this guy. Um, two goalkeepers wouldn't have saved that. You know, if it's a penalty <laughs> that goes in the top corner or a free kick that goes in the top corner. Now, I don't... Because, again, this is one of those where it's like, they probably would have. But, again, I think I could say that. <laughs> because it, it conveys perfectly what you're trying to say, doesn't it? It does. If, if somebody yeah. says that, you go, no goalkeeper's saving that. Two goalkeepers aren't saving that. It's... It's just, you know, it's it's the emphasis. But when you think about it, you think, well, they probably would. If you just have put one guy on this post <laughs> and one guy on the other, they would they would cover it between them. Yeah. Well, just I, also I how file... scary and weird that would be to suddenly have mm. two goalies. Yeah. If you got I would Buff- file that Buff- under... Buff- in there. I would file that under acceptable hyperbole. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not absolutely. meant to be taken literally. So, yeah, let's let's draw the line on that one because that's absolutely I'll, I'll tell him next time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this happens on an almost weekly basis now. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to criticise... Uh, professional broadcasters but this happens and we're going to talk about it uh, foreign managers being asked long questions in colloquial english which then yes. have to be repeated yes. in simpler terms so they get it so it's feel like so nuno it felt like dama troyori was champing at the bit on his old stomping ground today but it'll be a different kettle of fish on wednesday won't it and then he sort of looks at them blankly and says what and then they have totally. to repeat it in a really stilted way and uh, it's just that it's that moment of awkwardness it's almost sort of gervaisian levels of of excruciating <laughs> kind of sympathy with with how both people are being affected by this and it's just yeah I, I remember what either of those things mean massively i remember the more when there, there, there were more and more foreign premier league managers and it was things like that. it was like was it a case of locking the door off the horse had bolted <laughs> and and they just and obviously they're completely bad and it, i just think like it's it must be hard enough giving interviews in not your first language to, to throw <laughs> in these colloquialisms there's an offshoot of this, um, and it, uh, Sam, I guess it, this kind of applies when someone like Aguero is being interviewed, and and after like a cup final in which he scored or something, and in those scenarios, the questions tend to come out as statements because they're, they're just obvious things like, oh, you must feel great about this today, Sergio. And when they get asked a question that is kind of full of sort of Englishy jargon, there there is a moment where you think, okay, he's going to answer this question anyway, but his answer is going to be completely different to the question he was asked because he clearly doesn't understand it. And 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 this is again, this is no slight on Aguero himself and and his his levels of English. You just know that he's going to answer something in a completely different tangent, and then it becomes therefore very awkward for the interviewer. So I just I just feel like everyone needs to up their game here, don't they? Yeah, especially with the media training element, because you know, like even English players are going to answer. The question with their own answer anyway. They're just going <laughs> yeah. to say, "Well, I'm just happy to help the team," and you know, at the end of the day, it's three points a matter and all of that. And they're just going to say that four times and then leave. But there's always a moment, <laughs> whether it's Aguero or anyone else, you can see it. You know that because and Guardiola does this a lot. He's like yeah. concentrating, making eye contact, and then as soon as they mention a word that or a phrase they don't and uh, understand, 
The eyes go quickly. They look up and they think, <laughs> what was that? And then by the time they thought, what was that? They've missed the rest of the question as well. And then it's just, oh, yeah, I'm just very happy to score the goal and support my team. Because you did, Exactly, yeah, because it, it doesn't matter. It's that moment when they they've say, gone. It it's just completely unravelled. Yeah, it's completely unravelled anyway. I, I completely, somebody, completely you mentioned agree. Kettle of Fish. Somebody did actually put that in a question to Manuel Pellegrini once. <laughs> Other examples of football pithiness, Charlie. The, the phrase, still got it, which is applied <laughs> to, uh, as far as I understand it, it's applied to any elite ex-footballer doing something vaguely impressive in retirement, uh, football-related. I, I want to know, what, what what do you think the threshold here is for still got it? I always think of that when the ball goes out of play and a manager who is a former yeah. player will control it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm thinking like Sador for Conte or someone like that. And it's like, <laughs> they could do with him out there. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, shots of former strikers in the stands going. Oh, probably could do it. Did he? Has he brought his boots? Could do with it. Him out there. Well, funny. It's funny you mentioned that because sorry, I instinctively kind of flinched when you gave that example of. Oh, they've still got it. But I remember, and it, I was at Old Trafford for a Manchester derby in two thousand and nine. I think it was the it was mm. the one that would go on to be known as the Michael Owen goal, four mm. three. Uh, but it was one all. I was there as a United fan. And it was one all at half time, I think. And United weren't playing particularly well. I went down to the concourse and I you was know, really busy, kind of shoulder to shoulder. And I turned and looked and I did a double take and made eye contact with a guy. And it was that kind of knowing eye contact. And I I instinctively did the, have you got your boots? We might need you for the second <laughs> half. And it, it was two guy who used to play for Blackburn. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Uh, that's why I just remember it because he was like, why, why are you here? But yeah, I just did that instinct. You know, those certain things. You must get it yeah. all the time, it's Adam, fine. when people must talk to you in football cliches. It's like, there's no point trying to outdo you in cliches. Like, I've, I've made a kind of pact it's not myself to never do it well. They're, 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 they're both good and bad and, 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 and medium cliches. They're, they're a perfectly acceptable thing to Potentially. use. Potentially. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, just, I just realised I'd immediately slipped into that really most basic of football chats. That's okay, because if that was the only way you could spark conversation at that point, then, then the cliche has done its job. That's exactly what it's there yeah, for. So, so I'll, I'll ne- never hammer you for that. But there was a recent example of, of still got itness, which which kind of irritated me just the right amount. It, um, I can't remember which which Twitter account tweeted this out. It was, I think it was probably one of the broadcasters or banter accounts or whatever. But it was Paul Scholes in his back garden last month. Uh, he's got like a five-a-side, proper five-a-side pitch in his back garden with a net and everything. And... Um, he was he was just wellying a penalty into the top corner of an unguarded net in his back garden in slow motion. And and, and the tweet inevitably was, Paul Scholes, he's still got it. Shows he's <laughs> still got it. And my, my thought was, I'm not remotely surprised that Paul Scholes can, can, <laughs> can hammer a ball into the top corner of a goal from what appears to be eight yards with no goalkeeper. <laughs> but what I want to know is, what level is he getting on the bleep test these days? That's That, to me, is the threshold of still got it. As I want to know how these retired footballers are doing in, in terms of their physical and aerobic capacity. That's That, it to would, me, is still got it. It would be far more remarkable if Paul Scholes was like missing penalties against his son <laughs> or something and, and really yeah. looked like he, he could no longer hit a ball in retirement. Because if he if, if they posted a video it, of Skulls, yeah, Skulls missing a penalty against his kid or something, it would be like, oh, Skulls, he's he's lost it, yeah, and it would be a far more grave it. situation. I just I just feel like the threshold for still got itness is 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 too low, even 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 allowing for the. Um, flippancy of these uh, Twitter accounts. Well, also, Adam, there's a low threshold for that sort of they could do with him out there today. And, yeah. and two guys probably quite a good example of that because I <laughs> yeah. don't think he was probably getting into that United team. But, you know, he... He's also, I, a- I think Ferguson must have used my words as half-time motivation because I, I remember Darren Fletcher scored two headers in that second half. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like that that so, lad in the crowd wants two guys to take your place. And, and he's retired. He wants a 40-year-old two guy. <laughs> he was never team. good but enough like, when he was still playing. Exactly. So I'm so they'll, glad they'll cut. This. They'll cut to someone who wasn't that great. I mean, I remember uh, it's got this far, and I haven't mentioned him, Keezy, uh, in kind of classic Keezy style. This would have been around like Euro 2016, and he's talking to Michael Bridges, uh, <laughs> who obviously you know was it was it was, was, was a good player, but he's like, oh, yeah. you know, might be a different different story with you out there for England today, Michael. I'll never address kind of like, it directly I, to the person themselves. That's that's <laughs> yeah, a no-no, exactly. isn't it? Never make like, them question about whether they could do a job or not. No, that's. that's I don't that's, think bridges over Harry critical. Kane would really work, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that's being harsh. What about when you're actually playing football? Um, some of the irritations that come from a kind of grassroots level. Um, one that immediately pops to mind, and this this happens on an almost weekly basis in our office five side, which is when you get odd numbers for a game of five a side. 
Now, now the dilemma here is, is nine players better than 11? Which, which is the more preferable circumstance, having nine players or 11? I think I, 11. I, I just want to play. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm missing. I don't, no, I don't play it often. But. I'm with Adam on this one. Odd, odd numbers is... It's it's so uh, it's so difficult, and I actually I'd prefer I'd always prefer to be on the team with fewer players because if you're on the team with yes. more, you just feel guilty. You know, you'll be through on goal, but you're kind of like, well, it's yeah, I, I should. It's you know, should I? What victory. should I do here? Whereas at least being on the team with fewer, you can really put a shift in and you know yeah. run around a lot, and it yeah. feels a bit defiant. Yeah, and I just there there have been points in my life where the weekly office five aside has been everything. It's meant everything. It's 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 been the build up from Monday, the game on Wednesday, and then your the rest of your working week ruined or boosted by the fact whether you won or not. And when you when when it when it all comes out and the emails have come in and they've only got nine, it's the biggest sinking feeling. It's it's awful mm. and um, it's a real plague, I think. And people people who pull out on the day to make it odd numbers. I, should be yeah. jail sentences for this sort of thing. <laughs> but I remember back in the day at Power League, you'd sort of try and find scragglers, stragglers who mm. seemed like they maybe were just there, I don't know, kicking a ball around, weren't really playing, and you could sometimes like rope people in last minute, and that that was yeah. such There's a savior. Charlie, I think we might have spoken about this on the grassroots football episode, but uh, the most irritating thing you could ever hear on an 11-side football pitch on a Sunday is the phrase, they don't want it. They don't, I, I, they I don't want like it. It just ruins the entire morning. Or, or the, uh, I think we talked about as well, the even harsher cousin of that is he doesn't want it. Like he specifically, <laughs> he specifically. that being like a oh, goalkeeper. Or, or, you know, he can't kick. Remember, boys, the goalie can't kick. That's yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just thanks for pointing that out. unnecessarily harsh because yeah. we're, we're all shit. This is Sunday League football. How dare you? But unfortunately, I think it does work on the weaker minded of us because we had a. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't actually play that much anymore. But um, we, at the end of this. At the end of the season, all the journalists who cover like City or United or whoever, they play against the staff who work for City. So we played on the training ground one year and I played I played centre-back. I like I liked to take my time on the ball and pass it out. Um, and one guy shouted, when I had the ball, I was kind of right-sided centre-back position. One guy on the other team shouted, he'll give it to you or something like that. And I remember in my head thinking, <laughs> piss, piss off. What, what are you on about? Like, no, I won't. And then I, I did pass it directly to their forward. And I was like, yeah. I can't believe that worked. I can't believe it. I, I tried to thread one round him and yeah, it just went straight to him. And I was like, you bastard. I can't believe that worked. Yeah, and that's your moral you, just on the floor, right? After that. Well, I still remember sure. it, mate. I was about three years ago. Yeah, it's disgusting. Never played it's Disgusting behaviour. Really. Is. I think uh, we, we touched on it earlier with the foul throws, but appeal, those teams that just appeal for absolutely everything, <laughs> that, that is just Everton. such a vibe killer. And also, because again, to a degree, it does work because refs will... They'll they'll cave eventually if you just put that much pressure on them. Um, that yeah. I find like soul destroying. I try and reason with those people. I say this is just Sunday league. This is yeah. This doesn't mean I know. It. it doesn't matter that much. And I, I feel like you can make some inroads when you just apply some really cool, calm logic there. But at the same time, you know, it's supposed to be a, a you know a device to let off steam. So maybe 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 we should just let them have their refereeing pedantry and and throw in appealing. Um, Speaking of letting people enjoy the things that they're happy to enjoy, um, do you ever, ever want to hear about people talking about their fantasy team on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? It is really annoying, isn't it? Like, this care. is one of my... I think because it ties into a couple of things. I think, like, our society in Britain is built on self-deprecation. <laughs> All right, Venga, here we, we go. We, well, we like to hear stories where you're kind of taking the piss out of yourselves. Mm. Whereas yeah. I feel fancy teams are often really the opposite of that. They're really self-aggrandizing and it's kind of showing mm. off that I've made this amazing call. And it, it's a bit like hearing about someone's dreams or about their accumulators <laughs> that, you know, I got seven scores right, but I got one wrong. Um, and the, the worst, I, I mean, because like fancy football, absolutely, you know, I know a lot of people love it and it's great and I used yeah. to play it. But, but it is the kind of... Um, making it all about you and and, and some people mm. will talk about it at live games so you yeah. might concede a goal and be like who got that assist and it's like fuck off like the, the opposition <laughs> has just scored <laughs> no one cares about your fancy team like you know read the room do you know what yeah. i mean uh and so yeah it, it does that does get my goat sam i propose to you this is the hierarchy of things the, the three kind of main things that it's acceptable to discuss just blindly with other people at football first of all uh, 
the the peak of acceptability I think is, is fantasy football because I, I feel like it's a, it's a genuine community it's 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 a very it's a very healthy pursuit there's no money involved it, and it, and it does require a modicum of football knowledge I mean there's there's a kind of analytical nerdy aspect to it obviously but you do need to kind of appreciate what makes a good footballer to a certain extent yeah, yeah. so yeah I'm, there's no I'm point kind of okay with fantasy team it doesn't it, it, it runs very nicely in parallel with actual football so that's fine yeah. secondly in the mid ranking. People telling you how well they've done on FIFA or on Football Manager. Like, I've won the Champions League with Telford. I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I don't because there's I, no community <laughs> there, really. Because yeah. it's like because well, if you if you've captained, say if you've captained Salah instead yeah. of De Bruyne and De Bruyne gets two assists and a goal and Salah mm. misses a penalty, that's the community element. And if kind of if you tell yeah. people, everyone's like, oh mate. But if you say, yeah. oh, I've got this Football Manager immediately, it's like, well, you're just in a different universe there. Like we've, I know, like we play it, but it's not like we're not in the same, we're not in the same universe here. Like your yeah. game is is your own, completely different. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm embarking to on an anecdote row. about playing Football Manager. I just it puzzles me, but at the at the same time, you know, it, it's a mainstream, incredibly popular pursuit. So I, I can kind of understand why people might want to talk about it. Then the lowest of the low is talking about your accumulator. Now Charlie, Charlie talked about this just now, but. It's it's the last thing I will ever care about on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> or, or even on a Sunday when football fatigue has kicked in to limit my enjoyment of football, you know, in its own right. And then someone's banging on about the the result that ruined their twelve fold accumulator. It just it will never it will never inspire me to respond. So I think it's just because you're so gutted, and it's like a problem shared is a problem half kind of thing. You just need to get it <laughs> off your chest, whether it's fa- fancy football or gambling. If you've just narrowly missed out or you've had a shocker or some last-minute goal has gone against you is a classic one with an accumulator, mm. you just mm. feel like you need to get it off your chest so it's, it's out there then it's rather than kind of suffer in silence with it. So I can understand it, but yeah, I completely agree. It's like nobody else actually cares, but you need to get it out there. With accumulators, like the way they're designed is to make you feel that they're agonisingly close. And so getting <laughs> six out of seven is kind of like the whole point like that's why it's really hard to win so to me it just doesn't feel that remarkable or interesting um <laughs> and i i don't know like you're right sound like when it when it's you know mishap stories that is a bit better but i feel often with with fancy team i don't know people there's there's a bit more boasting about it um which i i just find a bit uh a bit strange maybe you you don't hear about people who were kind of two results away from winning the pools anymore people still play the. i mean i assume people still play it. it must be out of sheer habit they play it by post or whatever but no one ever no one ever sort of tweets about oh god i wish i had a score draw you know bolton versus nobody who plays the pools has got twitter no way <laughs> and if they do no way. if they do their their avatar is them holding a fish that they just caught <laughs> i reckon a lovely and enduring image and and then a lovely tone in which to end this this podcast which is essentially us moaning about things in football but we're going to be back next week with with the with the flip side of all this we're going to be talking about the tiny joys of football the little things in football that just fill our hearts with glee and joy and just the entire polar opposite of everything we've whinged about today as healthy as it was i hope you'll both be joining me i hope everybody else will be joining me too see you next week